Welcome to Comrade Burbs Working Class Revolution. Hey, so I want to make sure Duncan Soler, right? Like yes, that's sunshine. Right. I'm pronouncing it correctly because <laughs> I I want to make sure and um, been wanting to talk to you about your pro wrestling because i was checking that out and <laughs> i love the videos so far um and i am interested in what got you into wrestling oh well that's a very fun story so uh to introduce myself to your audience yes please my name is <laughs> my name is d-u-n-c-a-n duncan soul air now as far as the character goes in the company that I'm currently in. Mm -hmm. I'm just a, uh, what's your, what's your policy on a uh, language? <laughs> just so I know. Let her rip. <laughs> All right. So I'm the prettiest bitch that you're going to ever see in this company. I'm also the most effervescent thought that will ever exist. Yes. Um, All we right. are part of the proud thought gang. It's thought gang 100. We will always be thoughts. And if you got a problem with thoughts, I got these hands for you. Now, Hell yeah. as, far as, as far as that goes, <laughs> uh, I started wrestling. Oof. So I started wrestling back when I was knee high to a grasshopper. But yeah. like, I didn't get trained trained until I was about 18. And I remember it because it was like one of these little rinky dink ass, uh, horrible federations. One thing you'll learn in like independent wrestling uh, there are like a million different ABC companies that you can work for. Many of them use the same names. So I worked for a company called Heartland Championship Wrestling. And then about six years later, I ended up working for another company called Heartland Championship <laughs> Wrestling. They had nothing to do with each yeah. other. So there are a million different ABC companies, but the one I started at was Heartland. And I remember it because... What was his name? Will Dixon. Uh, one of the the person who owned the company was this really big shiesty dude whose family was basically everywhere, uh, and they trained me on how to do like the basics in ring. From there, I went on to work for just so many different ABC companies, and I learned a lot while I was in America. But uh, due to some issues that happened with certain wrestlers, some of whom are even on WWE right now. Oh uh, I lost I lost my passion for wrestling for a little bit. But now that I'm back in Korea, uh, I, entered, I ended up linking up with this company. And this has been like the most fun I've had pro wrestling in my entire life. I've been on TV in Korea. I've been in the newspaper in Korea. Oh, wow. I've, I've done a lot here. Like I'm a nat, I'm, I'm national, baby. <laughs> nice. That's rad. That's so cool. That's yeah. great. That's great. Get got the uh, the vibes going. <laughs> That's awesome. Dreadfully so. Dreadfully so. But yeah, yeah. Um, if we want to talk about uh, like wrestling's relationship with labor, I think that's a very interesting one. Yeah, especially I, because. I would like to talk about that. I, I wanted to say that, you know, we've seen over the years, there's been those at the top, what they're getting isn't necessarily what those in the ring are getting, you know, there, there's been a, a labor issue there. So I'd love to hear you on that. So, well, <laughs> the funniest part about wrestling is in relation to labor is the fact that all wrestlers are typically called workers. Mm -hmm. Uh, even when, um, even if you like, and this is an insider joke, if you're paid to lose your match or you are just the loser for the company, mm -hmm. you're a jobber as opposed to a worker. <laughs> now, yeah. either way, um, wrestling could have had unions, or at least the WWE could have had unions. Uh, but the biggest wrestler for the longest time, Hulk Hogan was the one who snitched on Jesse Ventura. Mm -hmm. And that's how you ended up with there being no wrestlers unions. Now, it's really, really interesting in today's era 
because there's like such a level of weakness between the workers and the owners of the companies that like for example AEW which is the new newest one all elite wrestling because they have a money man in Tony Khan who's like really supportive you would think oh there should be a wrestlers union there so they could you know negotiate even even if Tony Khan's like the super benevolent uh, billionaire there should still be like a collective incentive from the workers but it's not and WWE Vince McMahon has been a insane lunatic for ever, <laughs> yeah. just ever. Just yes. like there's no point in time where you would go back and say, oh, he was not a crazy person. Mm-hmm. And he's also always been like a, and I remember reading this on his um, Wikipedia article, ultra conservative. Like that, that says a lot. <laughs> yes. So yes. the idea of people unionizing WWE I mean, WWE just fired so much of their roster on during a pandemic on something that was turned Black Wednesday. It was a running joke in the wrestling community about how WWE would just fire people and they would wish you well on your future endeavors. WWE treats wrestlers as their disposable cocks and it's actually costing them money in the stock market because a recent quarterly call basically said the reason why you're losing money is because you have no stars coming up and that's not to like diss on anybody who's working there are a lot of wrestlers who i like in wwe but it is to say like wwe really wants the brand to be over they want the people to be interchangeable but they want the brand to be over but because the brand is not over and the people are not over you can see the fact like their magical ratings numbers are dropping. You can see the fact that nobody's tuning in even during the pandemic, but prior to that, they're hitting historic lows. So nobody wants to see WWE go out of business. I mean, they say that, but I don't want to see any of the workers out of business, but if Vince McMahon lost his job tomorrow and got replaced by somebody, I wouldn't really care because Mm -hmm. He's shown a history of not really taking care of his workers. You have like single examples from like workers who he is like paid and that's good. But like, as far as like collectively goes, Vince is not who you would want to like be your boss. He sounds toxic, but Uh, I think that's, I think that's true of a lot of people who become bosses. I think Mm -hmm. it, especially in a system that devalues the lives of workers to begin with and treats workers to varying degrees, you know, depending on the context, as disposable bio-labor units. I mean, they're, they're, and now with a lot of other jobs, you know, not wrestling so much, but, you know, a lot of other jobs are going to be getting taken over by automation. So there's even less incentive to improve conditions for workers in terms of incentives to those at the top. Obviously to everyone who's working and, you know, everyone in the working class, there's always an incentive for that. Um, But yeah, I, I can see why that would be, is that what radicalized you was seeing some of the labor disputes in wrestling or what? All right. So, my relationship with labor has always, always, always been a very strange thing. So uh, I grew up in a lot of different poor areas, but we always moved around. Um, I always identified, because in the black community, there's term bougie. And mm-hmm. I never identified with bougie. As a matter of fact, I almost always used it as a pejorative. Like I've never associated with people I felt were bougie. And bougie, of course, is a shortening of bourgeois or bourgeoisie. And so I always, like, knew that term. And then I came to learn the term proletariat. And I don't know where I learned the term proletariat, but I remember being as young as, like, 10 and talking about, like, viva la proletariat. So, like, yes. I, was, I was aware of the terms, but I wasn't class conscious and I wasn't really like aware of the relationship to labor. Now in America, of course, you know, there's a lot of propaganda for you to be in the capitalist system, or at least 
never imagined outside of the capitalist system. And so um, as I got older, I always used to have this joke where like if something bad happened, I would just say the goddamn communist. Like it's raining. Ah, the goddamn communist. <laughs> oh, man, I, I got to go to work again. Ah, goddamn communist. Yeah. And like I didn't start critically thinking about it until like 2017, actually. And I started like trying to phase the joke out with one of my coworkers because she started saying it. I was like, ah, actually, you know, it's, it's the capitalists who are like, you know, fucking us over. And she's like, ah, but the communist one's more funny. I'm like, but, but it's not accurate. It's, right. it's actually capitalism. And, you know, she was like, ha, ha, ha. And I was like, ha, ha, ha. But then, like, as far as, like, radicalization goes, I would say coming to Korea allowed for me to be, like, less oppressed by the boot heel and thus more able to like actually look into things, to actually read into things. I always knew something was wrong. Mm -hmm. I always knew something was wrong, but I never had the vocabulary. I never had the knowledge to point to what was wrong and why it was wrong. And it wasn't until like I was able to like have a little bit more time to think, a little bit more time to read and Yes, more YouTube because it's mm -hmm. it's YouTube and it's easy. Yeah. Um, shout out to the BreadTube community. I have a video coming out where I talk about the BreadTube community on my YouTube. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, I would say it was a, a a lot of things like a bit of the rise of BreadTube, a bit of the rise of online leftism, more leftist content being um, propagated by more people. Mm -hmm. um and already my natural inclination towards like leftism i would right. say were like the key elements in me becoming more radicalized that's great you know you you talk about not having the vocabulary and being removed out of the situation to be able to recognize it and that's really relatable for me i grew up i was raised in the jehovah's witness cult and oh yeah <laughs> so for me, that's what I knew, you know, and I, um, some of the ways that I was able, it was mental escapes for me, mental removal from the situation. So it was, I'd read science fiction or I started on AOL. <laughs> I was playing in the Star Wars simming forum, which meant um, basically online role-playing games through text. I mean, we had a game master on the message boards and everything. And I got to hang out with what the Jehovah's Witnesses labeled as worldly people, quote unquote, because they weren't Jehovah's Witnesses. They were bad association who would spoil my useful habits. And mm. yeah, but, and they told me all of these horrible things about these people, all of these you know, stories of what would happen to me if I started spending time around, you know, non-Jehovah's Witnesses in a social context, anything other than what was absolutely necessary, going to a job or, you know, shopping in a store and interacting with a cashier, they didn't want you doing that. And if you did interact with people, they wanted you to try and convert them. So, you know, the playing with people in that Star Wars simming community, I started making friends and I started realizing, hey, on, these, these people aren't trying to ruin my life, you know? And it was, it was a revelation for me at the time. That was back in the mid nineties. And um, so I've, you know, I've been out since 96 is when I escaped. And I have found that many of the same tactics that the Jehovah's Witnesses used are the, the indoctrination and propaganda control tactics that the ruling class uses on people here in the U.S., you know, to, to keep our, it's, it's like there's even a self-policing aspect, you know, like if you start talking about, you know, anything that is outside of, you know, this narrow window, you start going too far left, 
people try to correct you and pull you back into the fold. And that's so similar to that theocratic horse shit that I went through with the JWs. On the other hand, it also gave me a set of diagnostic tools to use to recognize when people are using cult tactics. And yeah, capitalism is a cult. It's a death cult. And uh, so- What you just said reminded me of a story from when I was in high school. So in high school, I got put yeah. into the AP US history course. Shut up, don't judge me, I'm not a nerd. Anyway. Hey, I, I would have I loved to have been there with you. I love history and I'm a nerd too, so. <laughs> so uh, in this course, the uh, teacher in the course was very interesting. We will start off with the fact that uh, for the beginning of the class, uh, he, he had very Ben Shapiro vibes. Mm -hmm. He had big Shapiro energy. Oh boy. Um, and he also- Can that be big? <laughs> Sorry. In context, in context. Uh, no, I understand. Meta like, metaphoric energy. We're, we're on a metaphysical level when we're yeah. talking about this. <laughs> we're talking about the amount of the energy, not okay. necessarily the, the relative stature, size. The stature and size, okay. <laughs> so, anyway, um, when we go into the class, he uh, brings up the fact that he's an octoroon and we bring it up as like a ha ha he he moment. And I was the only person yeah. that got it right. Shut up, I did. Anyway, yeah. uh, during the course, I remember like bringing up some things and I would say them as like a joke, but also like to push back on some of the stuff he was saying. Mm -hmm. Now, in that AP course, I was not the best student, but I was also the only one that was constantly bringing up stuff from outside of the perspectives. For mm -hmm. example, uh, I remember I made that cringy just us uh, joke. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, there was like a, it's not justice, it just, it's just us, as in refer referencing the ruling class, or in mm -hmm. this case, we were talking about slavery, so we were talking about white people. And uh, yeah, no. Um, with that class, he like came over and he like bopped me and everybody was like, oh, so cringe. But it was like, mm -hmm. what I had said while cringe was also true. Yeah. Like if you looked at the systemic problems going on in America, especially at that time, right. uh, if you also paid attention to like the way that he taught slavery, it was very much a state's right. This is an AP US history course. Wow. This is the smart kid yeah. US history course. Yeah. And sure enough, it, it was it that's, was dead. Yeah, that's America. That's America, American civil religion. Uh, you know, there's that whole theory, and I think it goes right with that. Is you know, our history textbooks. One of my favorite books is "Lies My Teacher Told Me" by um, Professor James W. Lowen. He is a sociologist and historian. He's written about sundown towns. He just, I think his latest book is The Neo-Confederate Reader. Um, but he, in Lies My Teacher Told Me, he talks about how those history textbooks, undoubtedly probably, you know, whatever your teacher there was using is one of them. Most history textbooks used in the U.S. are just propaganda tomes. They're heavy books that the books, you know, the schools pay, you know, 80 to $150 for these books. And even if it's a new edition, the authors that you see on the book aren't necessarily even the people who wrote it. Um, and it's all whitewashed history. There's suppressed history out of it. And the way it presents um, the, you know, the Confederates as a states, right issue, states rights issue and reconstruction is covered so poorly that we end up coming out of it thinking you know, we're being taught, well, the reason it didn't work is because the blacks couldn't, you know, hold up their end of the deal. They made bad politicians. That's not true at all. If you look at the actual history, that is the farthest thing from the truth. And he comes right out and says, the reason we still have problems in the U.S. today is because the government failed to re-educate those Confederates and those former slave owners and failed to nip it in the bud back then. And that's why 
you know, well, let's face it. Hitler took ideas from the Klan. You know, Hitler was inspired by America. So the Klan birthed Nazis. It wasn't <laughs> just know? the Klan, though. Like No, no. It was eugenics of Kellogg. It was, you know, the genocide of um, indigenous Americans. Everything. I mean, you know, the the U.S. inspired the Nazis. And then Operation Paperclip welcomed with open arms after the war. Hey, come and, you know, we want to beat the Soviets in the space program. And I often think about, you know, the, I you hear the argument, well, they were, it's not like they were SS, you know, they were just scientists and engineers. They were still Nazis. They're still white supremacists. They infected their families with that. They came in, they infected their communities with that. And here we are today. And that's, you know, history is a weapon and we either wield it in self-defense or we bow down to it and yield to it as they beat us with it, you know? Definitely. Yeah. Like between Operation Paperclip, Operation Gladios, COINTELPRO, you could point to so many things that the U.S. government has done uh, for no other demonstrable reason other than uh, the auspices of, under the auspices of like battling communism, but also like to service capital and because of the inherent nature of capital, racism, because capitalism is inherently racist. I don't it care is. who has a problem with me saying that, they can square up with me yep. and we will me fake too. fight or we will real fight and I will beat them down. And then you beat them down while I lecture them. Well, because <laughs> I probably can't do the beat down like you can. I'm sure I cannot, but I can do the verbal beat down on them. Well, you take, <laughs> we'll take we'll them that way. <laughs> but it was funny you brought up the um, the textbooks thing because um, I remember back when the atheist movement. Do you remember that 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 cringe? Mm -hmm. uh, well, the atheist movement was really really big. The one yeah. issue that I actually did kind of care about from them was the fact that they were pushing against the Texas school board because the Texas school board was doing some sus ass shit. Oh yes. The textbooks because what they were trying to do they were trying to basically ignore slavery or turn slavery into um like the, they dropped the word slavery and they were using like forced labor or unpaid yeah. labor. Yeah. That's like I remember people at the time bringing that up, but because the atheist movement eventually just devolved into the alt-right, um, it kind of makes sense that that issue also fell to the wayside. Absolutely. It's really funny because I'm terminally online. I'm always online. I am too. Um, <laughs> it's really funny how the skeptics movement, how the atheist movement got so easily co-opted by like the alt-right. And I remember... Um, at the time, there was a YouTuber, and I forget what his name was at the back then, but he was one of those atheists who like jumped full on headlong into the Nazis. Like, mm -hmm. not he was not alt light. Your boy was a Nazi. He was a happy Nazi. There's uh, a lot of them out there. <laughs> but he started off in the atheist movement. Like, he started off getting his clout there. Um, Atheist Rue, like he was one that was like super, du super duper racist. Mm -hmm. uh, and so when you see like this push from a lot of leftists to like rewash, to like cleanse the sins of former edgy skeptics, like for example, Shu, I think it's really, really, really funny because like Shu was in bed with Lauren Southern and Blair White. Both of whom sus as fuck, my kid. Yeah. So, like, for them to act like it, for people like Bosch to be like, oh, well, you know, she just made some edgy jokes and she was always a leftist. Like, bro, if your leftism is so weak that you can be in bed with a whole Nazi, like a whole white mm -hmm. supremacist who straight peddles white propaganda, yeah. that Farmlands documentary. My G, I don't care what you got to say to me, my child. Nothing at all. Because she made yeah. that money. She did that. She made that money. She friends with all these people. And you're just like, 
Well, you know, Shu didn't do that. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Shu like the first face to come up whenever you type in feminism online, but she ain't do no harm. Mm. Mm-hmm. I remember yeah. Shu was very, very good at like making, oh, gee, when they, uh, I'm not going to get into dog following on that girl. Yeah. Whatever, whatever she lives is whatever she lives. But it is funny when leftists, supposed leaders of the left, are so trash. And that's actually what my uh, YouTube video is talking about. It's like going to just be a, like a short 10 minute, hopefully, uh, just breakdown of like what it means to actually be like a leftist versus like a grifter. Because like the grift is real. Leftism mm-hmm. is trendy. It's mixy. It's vibey, it's wavy, it's for the next generation. Yeah. But it's really funny that like people who ain't been leftists are, their leftism begins and ends online. Like if you take these motherfuckers away from an internet connection, all of a sudden they leftism dead. Like mm-hmm. if you ain't ever talked to your coworkers about unionizing, if you ain't ever been in a union, but where am I? Let a girl flex real quick. If you ain't never been in a union, Damn, honey, yeah. Yeah. you ain't about that life. If right? you ain't trying to organize labor, you ain't about it. So stop yep. over here trying to police motherfuckers. Like, I get so salty. And like, let me be upfront, clear, point blank, period. I'm not a tanky, as far as I'm aware. I ain't got no hate for tankies, though. Because as far as I'm aware, and from the research that I've done and from the information that I've seen, you say, oh, yeah, fuck tankies. And you're talking about basically all of the global South and most of the successful, like, leftist projects. Now, is that to say Stalin did nothing wrong? No, he stopped before he got further west. <laughs> yeah. No, nah, but for real, no, no genocide denial, none of that shit. We don't take that. We don't abide that because, you know, we, you know. You, the skin color you know alone. what? And I don't look at any government uncritically. Yeah. Anytime you have power, I'm going to look at it with a, through a critical lens. Anytime but, someone's holding power over people, I'm going to be skeptical and go, hold on, let's, you know, but there's nuance too. Like, you know, you can say, well, you know what? Like, you know, basically the USSR had basically was state run capitalism, you know, or, you know, people will say that. And it's like, you know what, we have so much to learn by examining that history and saying, okay, that formula in this specific context didn't work for them. So we need to look at how it's going to work and we need to have representation of everyone affected by this to figure out how we're going to move forward. Otherwise, we're just going to have another oppressive system, you know? Yeah, like, I, I feel like I, at, at my most natural state, I would want to be like an anarcho-syndicalist. Mm-hmm. But that's because of, like, libertarian socialist rants. Shout out to libertarian socialist rants. Mm-hmm. And Bad Mouse Productions, who were both, like, anarcho-syndicalists or libertarian socialists, respectively, uh, flip those. Uh, but at the same time, like, I... I pay attention to quote uh, to quote that Nazi Stefan Molyneux. I'm an imperialist. <laughs> I'm an imperialist looking. No, but yeah. like yeah. Uh, the USR is still loved by people who lived under the USR. Well, the majority of people polled. Mm-hmm. Of course, you can find a million different people who like my grandfather's slaves got taken by Castro. It was yeah. terrible. Like. Oh. But so your like, plant, your your so your plantation and slaves got taken away from you. Womp womp. <laughs> but like, for me personally, I'm more concerned with the rights of the oppressed, and yes. like, I'm also really concerned with like global oppression. Like, mm-hmm. if we can talk for a second on like that uh, Biden shit, like a lot of online lefties were really, really quick to hop on that vote for Biden shit under the idea that it was harm reduction. Uh And the issue with harm reduction is, is it really? Because like, 
and I'm being 100% like, I'm not like trolling. I'm no. not capping right now. I mean this. How is Biden harm reduction? He ain't. Bi- <laughs> no, no, no. Like for real. Because like you got yeah. so many leftists online who just cap for it. Just caping for this motherfucker. Like so many <laughs> prominent ones too. And it's like, if you bring up any criticism of Biden, they bring it, they're like, well, why are you bringing this up? It's Trump or Biden. It's this or Trump. I'm like, so what you're basically saying is there is no good. There's no winning. Your harm reduction argument falls apart if you put like just a modicum of pressure on it. For example, Biden has a record legislatively mm-hmm. between the crime bill, between the anti-blackness, between the it being in bed with segregationists. Corn the, pop. Oof, oof. Yeah. yeah. But corn pop was real. That's the weirdest. He was like real. But like yeah. between the Iraq war, between being against gay marriage as late as 2008, who knows how long that took actually. Like mm-hmm. Joe Biden, you know he dirty, bro. And that's not even bringing up the rape. Yeah. Like, and, and I I was in high school. I was a junior or senior. Yeah, I would have been a senior when he ran in 87. I'm old. So <laughs> I remember he had to drop out because he was lying. He, he, uh, what he is stole it? Shit. He stole shit. And I, what's the, I can't think of the plagiarism word. there. I started with a P I couldn't think of it, but it's like, how I, this is a weasel. This is a weasel, a longtime weasel, and he's a racist weasel to boot, you know? Like, I, you know, and, and you know, the, it, if you keep voting for lesser evil, the amount of evil keeps, in, you know, increasing to the Basically. point where we are now. And so, and, and I, you know, from a, it, it's a logical fallacy to suggest that voting between two rapists is our only choice. That's our only option. That's the only thing we can do is wait till November, hope that an election is held, hope that none of us get COVID-19, hope that it is counted correctly, which they've already demonstrated. I mean, I left the Jehovah's Witnesses. You're not allowed to vote in the Jehovah's Witnesses. So I was not allowed to do that until I left. I was 26 when I left. And so by the time I actually was able to vote in an election, because I, I left that year, I didn't even have voting on my mind to be able to get registered in time to do it in November. And so I didn't get to vote till 2000. So the very first fucking election I vote in, what happens? <laughs> Yeah. And so I haven't trusted the electoral system since I started participating in it. And I'm at the point now where I'm just, I'm not going to vote. If those are my options, I am, first of all, I'm not voting for another woman's rapist because me too. I'm a survivor. I ain't doing it. And even if I wasn't on principle, I wouldn't do it, but I really can't. I have PTSD in part because of my assault and I am not going there. Yeah. Um, number two, <laughs> I, as a revolutionary, I look at it and go, what can this provide? It, you know, is there some kind of like, you know, um, Huey talks about in revolutionary suicide, Huey P. Newton says, you know, we need life rafts. But life rafts are things that the people create, not that the ruling class gives us. And um, is it Audre Lorde who says, you know, the master will not give you the tools to dismantle his house. And so voting, especially, I mean, we've seen with the Electoral College, our individual votes don't really matter at all so for anyone to chide me for not uh, you know and i have friends who've been chiding me since last year you've got to commit to vote blue no matter who 
Blue no matter who. That's <laughs> propaganda. That's all that is. That's fucking capitalist propaganda. It's false hope. I wouldn't even say that. I, like, I won't disagree with you on that. What I would say is like the blue no matter who gimmick only works if you're just committed to blue. Like, mm-hmm. basically, you refuse to acknowledge anything other than Coke and Pepsi. Now, you got Sprite over here, but you don't want to vote for Sprite because nobody drinks Sprite. And <laughs> you've got the Libertarians. I, I don't have a soda analogy for the Libertarians because I don't know any soda that's really drunk by pedophiles. I mean, allegedly, <laughs> allegedly, um, allegedly, um, allegedly, that was just a joke. Um, and it is well received on this end. <laughs> not saying if you are a libertarian that you are if you're an ancap you're a pedophile <laughs> sorry uh, um parody 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 yes anyway yes. um but like we'll the flash it at the bottom of the screen thank you parody thank you. but um when it comes down to what the american populace has like they've only been raised to vote for red or blue like that is always what has been and every election since I was a baby has been the most important election yes, yes. of our time. This is the election that will define the future. As a matter of fact, this election will determine the future of America. Mm-hmm. This is this election. Now, yeah. Now, I know we said that the last election. Right. But no, 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 it's this one. Like, the yeah. fact that people think that Joe Biden is gonna be like some hero, like the ad campaign that they've been putting out. This might have been a meme. I might have got tricked by it, but settle. It's hard to tell Biden, the difference. <laughs> you, you ain't never said a lot, but like <laughs> settle for Joe, settle for Biden. That's your campaign. She's settling for Biden. Oh, yeah. you better yeah. get out my face, like. And he can't even barely speak for himself. Like, I'm not even dealing with that because neither no, can Trump. Trump. No, like, neither of them can. They're both demented old men. You know, and I. Them debates are gonna be money. Them debates yeah. are gonna be stupid. Yeah. But like, honestly, like I find myself like very critical of leftists who cape for Biden, like. Mm-hmm. Especially because from what I've seen, it's mainly been mm, white male leftists who are like very quick to cape for Biden. And like, here's the thing. I wonder why that is. (laughs) And here's the, you know, here's the biggest, biggest, biggest issue. They veil it under like caring about like oppressed minorities. But like, if you really cared, you wouldn't be caping for Biden. Like, for example, the ICE detention centers still open. Hey, everybody, those yeah. are still things. Yeah. And yeah. just like the memification of Breonna Taylor, where everybody's acting like people stopped working for Breonna Taylor, even though people on the ground have been pushing for Breonna Taylor's killers to be arrested, and finally they're going to indict some people. It yeah. wasn't people doing a fucking Twitter hashtag who did that shit. Thank oh. you for doing that shit. But it was the people on the fucking ground. Feet on the ground. I, but yeah. here's the thing. Here's the thing. Online a- leftist activism does have its place. But is it activism or is it clout chasing? Are you a leftist because you want shit to get better? Or are you a leftist because you want shit to get better for you? Yep. Are you a leftist because you see how imperialism has affected the third world, has affected countries all across the world who aren't Western? Or are you a leftist because mommy and daddy didn't give you enough money and so now you have to pay for your own fucking health care? Now, yeah. I'm not saying that one leftist is inherently more valuable than another because everybody can be a, become a class trader at a given time if their mm-hmm. needs are met. But if you ain't got no theory behind your shit, if you ain't got no logic for why you a leftist, if you ain't fucking logic means logic looking ass yeah but if you ain't got no core beliefs keeping you a leftist gee you a paper ally you yes. ain't really a leftist in that shit like they're opportunists the facts big facts like 
if you spent all your time de-radicalizing Nazis, and that is valuable for some reason, mm. bringing, bringing Nazis, but you don't de-radicalize them. You just get them to stop posting racist memes, but they're still racist. You ain't really did shit, and they can easily fall right back into that shit. And if a black person saying, hey, could you stop saying nigger? If that bothers you, if you mm-hmm. want to go back to the alt-right, bro, you was never a leftist, G. No, like, no. If people, if like trans people saying, hey, could you stop saying the T-slur? If NB's telling you, hey, could you stop being queerphobic? If basically me, basically me, <laughs> basically anybody on my checklist right. said something and you disagree with that shit inherently, Fuck are you, my dude? Like you say, yeah. you're leftist. Fuck are you, my dude? Like and an again, injury to one is an injury to all. And if we're not all in this for each other, then what the fuck are we even doing? If we're not internationalists, if we're not looking around the globe and saying everyone's struggling, all of humanity is struggling, and we need to have each other's backs and whatever your borders are, fuck those. They don't matter. They're arbitrary. Horse shit put there by imperialists who profit off of it. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I. No, you, you. <laughs> I got it in my belly. <laughs> talk your shit. You know, shit. it's, it's. I I agree with you so much. It's. I've seen a lot of opportunism, and like you said, clout chasing. You know, um, there's a certain um, network that is on YouTube. And they label themselves the the progressive, the the home of progressives. <laughs> oh, and oh, I oh. have, I have uh, really lost quite a bit of respect for them over the past year. I want to say, I mean, to the point where I I stopped watching them because they're just they're they're they've. There was a point where I thought, wow, you know. A couple of them at least seemed like they might be leaning more towards socialism. But then the person who founded that network has come out as, you know, I ain't your comrade and, you know, very capitalist, you know. Meanwhile, his, meanwhile yeah. his nephew is like the biggest socialist streamer on Twitch right now. Really? Really? Mm. And I, I, I am sorry to say I have not kept up with the union efforts there because it was pissing me off and I just, I was getting too angry that you're talking the talk, but not walking the walk, you know, like you were saying, you know, you you can sit there and say, oh, workers' rights are being diminished. But then when your own people come to you and say, we need a union and you go, well, it's not a good time for that. You know, what are you even what are you even doing? You're just becoming part of the establishment at that point. You know? So I don't know. I, you know, I, I've been um, cheered by the Jimmy Dore show because I'd say over the past few six to eight weeks, you know, I uh, probably about a month ago, I tuned in and, and Jimmy and Steph were both yelling at bootlickers. (laughs) who were in their Dude. comments and I was like, well, all right. Because, you know, <laughs> you got to take a stand. You cannot, you can't say you're leftist and then saying, but participate in electoral politics and that's all you have to do. You're not all a leftist. That's all you, that's, all you gotta do. You know, you, you post your, you post your, Oh, wait, you do not post USSR memes because, you know, USSR bad. Don't post China memes because yeah. China bad. Right. Uh, don't post Cuba memes because Cuba might, but you can post Che depending on the week. Mm-hmm. And you can post Sankara because he's black. Yeah. But don't be that edgy. Like, be edgy. Like, you know, say nigger but call it the gamer word, but don't mm-hmm. actually say, you know, something that might make white people upset, right. men upset, like, because that could lead to some oh, bad yeah. outcomes. Don't upset the white men, whatever you do. 
you know, that above all. No, I, I, I decided that I am a betrayer of whiteness some time ago. I, I, I think that it needs to go. I, there's no such thing as, you know, white race. It's like we're descendants of colonizers and settlers that came here. And frankly, people with this, you know, pale complexion should not have, there shouldn't be as many of us on the planet as there are, as far as I'm concerned. In terms of if, if Europeans hadn't come and settled this land and had this land to spread and create more babies on, if they were confined to the borders of Europe, how many white people would there be on the planet today? You know what I mean? And, and if, if we didn't have, you know, laws in the U.S., you know, where we had to like, you know, Loving versus Virginia, you know, to make it legal for mixed race marriages in America because that was so controversial and still is in a lot of spaces, which is bullshit. I mean, like we would have, you know, I remember learning even 20 years ago in my sociology courses that, you know, eventually whites would be in the minority and there were like these computer generated graphics of you know what what people will look like 100 years from now what humans will look like over the world and there wasn't a lot of white skin there and it that that was mind-blowing to me as a kid who grew up in almost nearly white sub you know suburbs outside of detroit i was uh i grew up in macomb county which is now like a bastion for Donald Trump. You know, it's all red over there. And uh, yeah, and uh, so, you know, that was like, for me, I was like, you know, I never even really thought about that. Because in the Jehovah's Witnesses, they taught us we were all equal. But Kingdom Halls, because they were built in, you know, the neighborhood, you know, that it served like, you know, that particular area and because most areas outside of cities tend to be segregated so were the kingdom halls um i did see some effort sometimes though to try and make sure you know that we had like they'd they'd um have people come in from out of the area sometimes and at the silver dome the pontiac silver dome every year we had a big convention in the summer and so like i had always been from the religious standpoint around of people who were not white you know but at school that's all i had it was all white kids it was you know mayo town and so leaving the jehovah's witnesses and then starting to learn and that was the other thing i wasn't allowed to go to college as a jehovah's witness so when i finally you know went and i started learning all this stuff i went well no wonder they didn't want me going here. I could disprove all this shit that they taught me, you know, <laughs> learning critical reasoning skills. But um, yeah, I, I remember learning that. And I remember in the class I was in, a lot of the white people in the class were pissed that day about that lesson, you know, and it was in, right in the book. And I mean, it was, you know, it's not like the teacher was just, you know, not providing evidence for the claim, she said, here it is, here's the scientific data. Well, you know, and it was, they, everything short of them saying, well, I'm white, so I'm superior, and it's wrong that we would be in the minority. And I just, like, I think that was really a moment that made me feel pretty gross <laughs> about, you know, and I, I thought, all right, I don't ever want to think like that. So it's been like, I've been consciously trying to deprogram. And I think that, I, I think so many white people hear racism and they think, oh, well, it's only if I'm doing something hostile. No, it's more than that. And obviously it's systemic. You and I both know that. And, you know, people need to commit to, being willing to unlearn and not let their ego get in the way of unlearning because that's 
that's the big trip hazard and especially in white culture because we are you know it's if you're wrong it's not an easy thing to be wrong you know to admit i mean look at the way white people apologize you know public people you know well i'm sorry if someone was offended Oh, come mm-hmm. on. That's a non-apology apology. That's you just negated your own apology, you know. And uh, so, yeah, I I think that um, I think that if you're going to be a leftist and you're going to be, you know, effective. You know, as a white person, you have to be willing to. Read a book, read a, read book. a book, read a motherfucking book. Hey. Exactly. And you've got to be willing to take a stand, even if it hurts feelings, even if it causes divides in your family and friends. If, if you've got someone in your life that is, you know, I, I want to like, here's a thing. I have an uncle who drops a racist joke here and there when I see him on the off occasions that I do. And the last time he did it, I said, you know, I said, I don't want to hear jokes that uh, dehumanize other people because it's propaganda and you're spreading it for the Klan and for fascists, whether that's your intent or not. What? You know, like it blew his mind. Like people don't think about how that is contributing, you know, to, to, because capitalism's racist and, you're just feeding the system when you do that. You're feeding those in power. And the same people who will tell those jokes, you'll hear them bitch about rich people. Well, you're helping rich people by telling those jokes because you're, up, you're upholding the system that feeds them, you know? So, and I will warn you, my medication has kicked in. I, uh, <laughs> I, I grow my own meds. We'll just put, leave it at that. And I take them. Uh, I can't smoke too much because of my asthma. So... I uh, I make tincture here. I'll get it on camera. I make my own tincture, and um, so if I get rambly, I apologize. That's <laughs> oh, fine. It's fine. Uh, it's about time for us to wrap up because I got back to work yeah. with all the projects. But I did yeah. to say thank you so much for joining. Uh, I'd love to have you on again too, and I'll be I'll be getting my shit together a little better on this as I get more experience in at it. And uh, I'd love to have you back on if you'd love to come back on. So no problem, definitely, definitely. Yeah. I'll say, uh, just, uh, everybody, please follow me on at Duncan Solaire on Instagram. Subscribe to me on YouTube, Duncan yes. Solaire. Also, check uh, out if you want to see me wrestling at uh, Pro Wrestling Society. And of course, protect Black women, protect trans women, protect yes. trans men, protect Black queers, protect. Black boys, black girls, yes. black men, solidity forever, and of course, black power. And uh, thank you so much for having me on. Have a thank you day. for coming on, and I look forward to our next meeting. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye.